Amen. I was glad when pastor finished praying that uh, there were still people here. Amen. Uh, it's good to see you tonight. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's take our Bibles, if you will, turn to the book of Matthew, chapter number 9. I want to say thank you to Pastor for giving me the opportunity to preach, uh, and uh, I always uh, treasure the opportunity to preach. I, and I love what God has called me to do. I enjoy preaching. I enjoy singing. I enjoy serving the Lord, uh, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, what the Lord has for us this year. I don't know about you, but uh, Sunday was exactly what I needed. Uh, amen. For me, that's what I needed. I don't know about you, but that's what I needed. Um, and uh, and I'll, I'll tell you this, um, that's exactly why I moved to Jacksonville, Florida. And so I am looking forward to seeing what God is going to do uh, with us and through us in the, in the days ahead. Uh, Matthew chapter number 9 uh, we begin reading in verse number 27, a uh, rather familiar portion of Scripture, uh, but I uh, want to pull a phrase out uh, of this passage of Scripture. I believe it will be a help to us tonight. In fact, I don't know that I've ever preached uh, uh, a, a, a sermon on this phrase before. Uh, I know I've mentioned it in preaching before, uh, but when I, when I was reading through this passage of Scripture, it just grabbed a hold of my attention. And I want to I give this to you tonight. I believe it will be a help to you. It was a help to me. Verse number 27, the Bible says, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said, saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. Here we find these two men that come to Jesus. Jesus was passing by. Jesus goes into the house. The two blind men follow Jesus into the house, and they ask Jesus for something that was pretty big. I don't know about you, but I have never seen anything in the medical field that's able to give somebody sight that was blind. Now, I know they have cataract surgery and everything. They can clear up some vision. They can do, do a lot of amazing things that, with uh, the advancement in medical science. But they still can't give somebody who's blind their sight. Um, you can do a knee replacement, but you can't make a lame man whole. Uh, you, you can... Uh, you, can, you may be able to give some people some medicine, but uh, I, I know a little bit about cancer. I don't know everything about cancer, but uh, even when they get, away, get, get, get rid of cancer, many times it comes back. Not all the time, but sometimes it does. But Jesus is the one, what I'm trying to say is Jesus is the one that can heal. Jesus is the one, he's the great physician. Uh, he's the one that's in control. And I'm glad that Jesus still can heal today. It doesn't matter what, uh, what uh, disease uh, uh, their family member or, or you may have. Jesus can heal. Now, I thank God that he uses medical science to help us. Uh, I'm not against doctors. I, I, I've met some folks that are against going to the doctor, and I say, well, God bless you. I hope you make it through. Amen. Uh, but I'm not against going to the doctor. But Jesus uh, here looks at these two men, and they, they ask for something that is huge. It, it was a, a great work that needed to be done. They wanted, they desired to have their sight. And Jesus 
looked at them and they asked, he asked them this question, believe ye that I am able to do this? That's a big question. I mean, it's one thing to ask, hey, give me my sight. But do you really believe that I'm able to do this? They look at, they, they look at Jesus being blind. They respond to Jesus and they say, they say, yea, Lord. In other words, yes, we believe. And Jesus makes this statement, and it's going to be the title of the message tonight. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Here in this passage of Scripture, we find there was a great need. These men were blind. They needed their sight restored. There, we see great power. We see Jesus was, had the power. The power was available for them to be healed, for the work to be done. There was a great work that was done, but it all hinged upon one thing. It all hinged upon great faith. In order for uh, the great need to be fulfilled, and in order for the great power to be uh, put into action, and the uh, great work to be done, great faith had to be in place. The almighty God of heaven, think about this for a moment. The creator of the universe, the one who spoke all that we see into existence, he allows his work among men to be affected by our faith. Did you get a hold of that? The God who spoke everything into existence allows his work among us to hinge upon our faith. Faith is an important thing in our lives. Matthew chapter number 13, just a few chapters over, we could read in the last portion of that chapter that Jesus was there doing many works, and it came to pass when Jesus had finished, in verse number 53, these parables, he departed thence, and when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and, Ju and Judas and his sisters? Are they uh, not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Jesus had done great works. His power was not diminished because of the region that he was in. But the Bible says he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief or lack of faith. You see, unbelief or lack of faith will... Keep God from doing that which he can do in our midst. In fact, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number 3 and verse number 12, he gives a stern warning to us. The Bible says, take heed, brethren. The word brethren used there means he's talking to saved individuals. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. We find that unbelief is not only hinders God's work, but is also evil. All the people that are hurt because of unbelief. 
all the good that could be done that's not done because of unbelief. You see, our faith is vitally important, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of others. Faith must be and has to be, in order to be faith, must be coupled with action. The Bible tells us in James chapter number 2 that faith without works is dead. He even goes on, to, he talks about saving faith there. He's not, he's not leaving anything out when it comes to faith. Faith must be coupled with works in order to be faith. Well, you say, well, Brother Montgomery, I thought we weren't saved by works. We're saved by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You're exactly right. They're right. There is nothing good that I can do to get in favor with God, to merit eternal eternity in heaven. There's nothing good that I can do. I can't work my way to heaven. But I must put my faith into action in order to receive salvation. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans, uh, uh, in uh, uh, chapter number 10, it tells us in verse number 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Our faith being put into action is that calling upon the name of the Lord. That action of saving faith is when we called upon the Lord, realizing that we could not help ourselves, that we were lost and undone, and there was nothing good in us, and we, we were going to die and go to hell if, if we didn't uh, get help from him. And, uh, and so there, there is uh, works in our saving faith. It's important that we tonight understand the importance of our faith. You see, according to our faith, it will be unto us. We get salvation according to our faith. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of every man. I believe the Bible clearly teaches that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's not one person that's ever been born on the face of the earth that Jesus Christ did not die on the cross for their sins. Other than himself because he was sinless and he didn't have to die for his own sins. But he died for the sins of all mankind. There's not one person that he did not die for. Well, you say, well, Brother Montgomery, if he died for the sins of all mankind, why aren't we all automatically saved? Because salvation is by grace. Grace is God giving us that which we do not deserve. That's offering salvation to us. That's the grace of God that offers salvation to us. By grace are you saved through faith. You cannot have salvation without faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. And he died on the cross uh, for the sins of all mankind and rose again the third day. And he paid for our sins in heaven with his own blood as our great high priest. And our salvation is complete in him. But we must have faith in that. When, when uh, the gospel is preached to us, it's as if the Holy Spirit says, Do you believe that I can do this? I remember the night when I was 16 years old. And I fell under conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. And I knew that if I walked out of that church that night without doing business with God, without getting saved, that I was going to die and go to hell. Right. 
And I fell on my knees in an old-fashioned altar, and I asked Jesus Christ to come to my heart and save me. And I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone to take me to heaven that night. Uh, Jesus said, do you believe? Yes, Lord, I believe. And he said, according to your faith, be it unto you. And he gave me the gift of salvation. If you're saved tonight, that's exactly how it happened for you too. It may not have been the same circumstance. It may not have been at an altar. It may have been at a doorstep. It could have been in a car going down the road. I don't know what your circumstance was when you got saved. But Jesus spoke to you through the Holy Spirit of God and said, Do you believe the gospel? If you're saved tonight, the Holy Spirit of God, do you believe the gospel? Yes, Lord, I believe. And we receive salvation according to your faith, be it unto you. But it's not only salvation. We, I want to say this, too, in Hebrews chapter number 4. If you take your Bibles over to the book of Hebrews, the Bible says, verse number 1, of chapter number 4, let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left, of a, left us of entering into the, his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The Bible here clearly tells us in verse number 2 that people died, die and go to hell, that hear the gospel. The reason is not that the gospel is not preached to them. The reason is not that they did not know the gospel or know the truth. It, the reason was not that the Holy Spirit did not draw them. The reason that they die in their sins is because the gospel is not mixed with faith. In them that hear it. See, faith is very important. Tonight, we must have saving faith. There is sal salvation is according to faith. But number two, I want to say this. Not only is salvation according to faith, but overcoming is according to faith. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter number 5, verse number 4, For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. How do we overcome the world? We all battle the world. We all battle the flesh. We all battle the devil. How do we overcome? Through faith. If you look at the book of 1 John, and we, we won't have time to uh, do an in-depth study, but if you look at the book of 1 John, we find in, in chapter number 4, in verse number 4, that uh, the Bible here speaks of the power and the person and power of God, that we must have faith in the power and the person of God. Verse number 4, the Bible says, Ye are of God, little children, and I've overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. How do we overcome? By having faith in the person and power of God. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. How do I overcome the flesh? How do I overcome the world, the temptations that, that uh, we face on a daily basis? How do we overcome those things? By faith in God. God, I trust that you are more powerful than Satan is. I, 
I, I believe that your word, you said that you're greater than they are, uh, than the world is. You're greater than the temptations that I face. So I'm going to yield to you and I'm going to tra- take you at your word. You're greater than the world. You're greater than the flesh. You're greater than anything the devil can throw at me. And I can overcome through faith in the person and the power of God. But I, the Bible also talks about here in, in 1 John chapter number 5, in verses, verse number 5, the Bible says, Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. Here, I believe that the Bible is telling us, and of course, uh, not, uh, not leaving out the Father or the Holy Ghost, but I want to focus on having faith in the Word of God. How are we going to overcome? Not only having faith in the person and the power of God, but having faith in the Word of God. Do you really believe that everything in the Word of God, from cover to cover, do you really believe Everything that God said? How do we overcome? By strengthening our faith in the Word of God. Uh, from a child, I grew up in church. Many of you, most of you know that. I've heard all my life, read your Bible every day. Pray every day. In fact, in junior church, we used to sing the song all the time. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Neglect your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. Hey, there's a truth in that song. And we're not going to overcome what the world throws at us, and we're not going to overcome our flesh, and we're not going to overcome what the devil throws our way if we don't uh, have faith in the Word of God. The Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Do we believe that? Or we just let him have our, his way in our life. Well, he's the devil. He's more powerful than I am. You're right. He is more powerful than you. He's more powerful than me. But he's not more powerful than God. And God's word says if we'll resist the devil, he'll flee from us. Why don't we start uh, hiding the word of God in our heart that we may not sin against him? And when the devil comes around, starts quote, quoting some scripture at him. Hiding the word of God in our heart. You see, uh, we overcome. We need that overcoming faith. We can only have overcoming faith if we, if we uh, have that faith in the Word of God, not in the power and the person of God, in the Word of God, but in the Spirit of God. As I was studying my Bible some years ago, I don't remember exactly when, I came across Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 16, and it kind of smacked me upside the head. The Bible says this, In verse number 16 of Galatians chapter 5, he says, If we walk in the Spirit, we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I mean, how many years have we spent as Christians trying to figure out how to overcome the flesh? Because the flesh is always with us. It's always uh, on us. And we, many times, we yield to the flesh, don't we? 
The reason we yield to the flesh is because we're not yielded to the Spirit. The Bible tells us plainly, if we will walk in the Spirit, we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? But according to our faith, be it unto us. You see, uh, we can overcome, but we need to have uh, faith in the Word of God, in the person of God, in the Spirit of God, in order to overcome. Number three, I'll move on. I believe that we need to follow according to faith. I believe that salvation comes according to faith. I believe that overcoming is according to faith. But based upon the word of God, following is according to faith. If we are going to follow, we must do so by faith. I think Pastor referenced in the last week or so uh, something about there being no such thing as blind faith. That's true. There is no such thing as blind faith. Because faith doesn't have to see. Uh, the Bible tells us that faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I don't have to see in order to believe. The Bible even says in the book of Psalms that he believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You're not going to see until you believe. We as Christians need to learn to follow by faith. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, and so many times when we were reading the New Testament and the, the books that the Apostle Paul uh, was, is the author of under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, many times we say Paul says this. I, will, I always like to remind us that it's not just Paul saying this. It's the Holy Spirit of God. It's God Almighty that is saying this. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, the Apostle Paul told Christians, follow me as I follow Christ. There's a lot of things, and, and you know, you'll just have to breathe real deep. But there are a lot of things that we do in independent, fundamental, Bible-believing churches that are not biblical. Uh, you know, I don't see a deacon board that tells the pastor what to do, that can hire and fire preachers, that I don't see anything like that. Uh, now, if you find that, and you can come show it to me, and I'll, be, I'll, I'll retract that statement, uh, but I haven't had anybody take me up on that yet. The Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. The only biblical reason to stop following a pastor is if he stops following Christ. That's the only biblical reason. Not if he buys a color or a carpet that you don't like. Not, not, if, he, not if he does anything. If he, if he changes something in the church. Well, we've done it that way for 100 years. Okay, is it anti-Bible? Is it against God? Okay, then suck it up. You'll be okay. We are to follow 
God's man. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 13, I hate to bring the Bible into it. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 13, verse number 7, Remember them that have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. It's very clear who he's talking about here. He's talking about the pastors of the churches. The Bible goes on to say, Whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. And we're going to double back to that verse in here in just a moment. But the Bible here tells us that we are to follow the faith of the man of God. Do you understand it takes faith to follow someone else's faith? Wives, it takes faith for you to follow the faith of your husband. Men, it takes faith for us to follow our pastor. Not because he's doing things that we necessarily disagree with. But as he said on Sunday, and everybody in this new age society wants to say, well, he's just a man. Duh, Sherlock. We're all just humans. But we follow the faith of the man of God that God has placed over us. We are to follow his faith. In verse number 17, the Bible says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. This is not an automatic thing. It doesn't just automatically happen because there's a pastor of the church that we automatically do these things. We have to decide. By faith, I'm going to obey and I'm going to submit. For they watch for your souls. As they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. As I think about this matter of following the man of God, I'm reminded of the crossing of Jordan. As the people of God are getting ready to go into the promised land, and uh, Joshua there prays to God, and God says, all right, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get the priest, get the Ark of the Covenant, and now the Jordan, according to the Word of God, you can read the passage of Scripture, the Jordan is overflowing its banks at this time. It's not just a trickle. It's not something that you can just hop over. Or you can't skip on the rocks and get across. It's overflowing its banks. It's running swiftly. It's very dangerous. He said, I want the priest to take the Ark of the Covenant, which was not a light piece of furniture. And I want them to carry it into the Jordan. And once they go into the Jordan, then I'll part the waters. Every detail in the Word of God is important. Do you understand that those chosen men of God had to get their feet wet before dry land would appear? I wrote this down. You can take it, but I like it. Wet feet deserve to be followed. I'm glad that we have a pastor that's willing to step out by faith. And wet feet deserve to be followed. They don't deserve to be criticized. Not that I think any of that's going on. I just know how humans are. They deserve to be followed. 
And we as Christians need to have faith in the Word of God, in God Himself, and follow the man of God because according to our faith, it'll be unto us. Do you understand that dry land would never have appeared? They never would have crossed on dry land if those men had not stepped out by faith. But then think about this. Those waters, the Bible says that they stood up on one end and they assuaged on the other end, so to speak, and then dry land appeared. There's a huge wall of water over here. And now you want me to walk through that? You want me to go right past that? After That took some faith as well. Uh, just as it took faith uh, for the children of Israel to, part, to cross the Red Sea on dry land, it took faith for the people of God to cross the Jordan on dry ground. They didn't know when it was coming back again. They had to go by faith. And we as Christians need to learn to walk by faith, follow by faith. There's an interesting statement. I said I was going to double back to it in verse number 7. The Bible says, Remember them that have the rule over you, who has spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. The conversation in the word of God here is speaking of the manner of life. Hey, we, I'm, we have a man of God who walks by faith, who lives by faith, who directs the church by faith. We can look at his manner of life. The way he lives, the way he carries himself. And know that he's a man of faith. And we ought to follow his faith. I don't think there's anybody that's not. I'm just pointing out what the Bible says. Number four, and I'll be done. Not only is salvation according to faith and overcoming is according to faith and following is according to faith, but I want to say this, that growing is according to faith. In Luke chapter number 17, verses 3 through 5, Jesus is teaching his disciples and he's, he's teaching them on the subject of forgiveness. And he tells them that if someone does them wrong and comes and asks forgiveness of them that they are to forgive. And then he follows that up saying, if they do it seven times in a day, and they ask you to forgive, then you are to forgive. Now, I don't know about you, but by about the seventh time, I'd be like, you didn't mean it anyway. Because I'd be in the flesh by then. I'd just be honest with you tonight. That's the way I would be. But Jesus said that ought not to be that way. It doesn't matter how many times you get done wrong. And by the way, here in that passage of Scripture, Jesus reminds us that we're going to be done wrong. If Jesus could leave heaven and come down here to earth and live here on this earth as the God of heaven and be done wrong by men, what makes us think we're not going to be done wrong by men? It's, it's funny how, how we think, well, they did me wrong, so I'm not going to go back over there. Why, why can't we be Christians? The Bible says suffer ourselves to be defrauded. Now, it's not easy to do. 
But our faith is directly connected to our forgiveness. And Jesus here uses forgiveness to help them to understand their need for increased faith. Because as soon as Jesus said, if they do it seven times in a day, you're to forgive them. Their first words, they didn't ask how, they didn't ask anything but this. They said, increase our faith. Because with that command given to them, they knew that their faith was not strong enough to do that. And they asked, increase our faith. You see, faith is only increased as, is it, as is, it is expended. We only get more faith by using faith. We get faith to forgive the seventh time by forgiving the sixth time. You'll have faith to forgive the eighth time by forgiving the seventh time. And we'll increase our faith uh, to follow by following. We'll increase our faith to overcome by overcoming. We'll increase our faith in the God of heaven by reliving that faith that we placed in the Lord Jesus Christ and reliving our salvation. When's the last time you stopped and just thought about the day the Lord saved you? It's hard to get away from God when you're thinking about how he loved you. And he came to where you were and offered you salvation. Man, that'll increase your faith. It'll strengthen you. You see, but we can only increase our faith as we use our faith. It cannot increase while it's sitting on a shelf. Faith does not increase by sitting on a shelf or hanging on a wall or being worn on a T-shirt. I get a little, I don't like to call it a pet peeve, but it just, I don't like Christian witness T-shirts. But you get all these things, you know, you see all this stuff around. You get it, they have it on the back of cars, faith. It's just the word Faith. I saw one the other day, and you'll have the T has a cross in it, you know, and we advertise our faith. Now, if you have the word faith on your wall at home, I'm not against you, but that shouldn't be all your faith. Faith is not an idol that we sit on a, a mantle somewhere. We have the word faith, and that's my Christianity right there. No, our faith is to be in action. Uh, as we live on a daily basis, and it ought to be increasing. Our faith is increased as it, as it is expended. And I want to ask a question as I close. Based on our text tonight, Jesus looked at these men, and he said, according to your faith, be it unto you. I asked myself this question as I was studying I want you to ask yourself this question tonight. If God's work in my life hinges upon my faith, will God do a work? If God's, if God's work in my life hinges upon my faith, then will God do a work? Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless tonight your word. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you'd 
Help us tonight to draw closer to you. Strengthen our faith. Increase our faith, I pray. We'll thank you for all that you've done for us and all you will do. In Jesus' name, amen.